This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. John Belushi and the Animal House crew have nothing on Mel Tucker and Tom Izzo, but the real party, going away party I mean, is just getting started down in Durham. So pour yourself a cocktail and put on a nice collared shirt. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to probably a more sober episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves to Wolverines Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, unfortunately not joined by anyone, but digitally. Alex Plum and Kevin Greck. Plum, I miss you, buddy. How you doing? I miss you too, Mike, but I am home from my whirlwind adventure to New Jersey, to Brooklyn, and to the District of Columbia where I got to see many fine folk, many of whom listen to the pod with regularity and conviction. Uh, but I will say recording from my house is nowhere near as enjoyful, that's a word, as yeah. um, as it was with a shot of fireball next to you, my friend. And we'll get to that other voice in a second, but I do have to ask, uh, how was the choo-choo train? And uh, did you have the enthusiasm of a Joe Biden? I did have the enthusiasm. Uh, for the listeners, I took the Acela train from Moynihan Hall. Beautiful renovation in uh, Manhattan. I uh, took the Acela. Very fast. Great service on the train down to Union Station. Uh, we left late and made up time and still got there in under three hours. Uh, highly recommend it. Joe Biden uh, walked by me at one point and gave me the conductor <laughs> hat that he was wearing. He let me have it as long as I would chew-chew with him. And so then he sat across from me and we looked out the window together for probably 45 minutes and he didn't want to talk. He just wanted to watch. So it was nice. And choo-choo. And choo Great. Yep. Uh, Greg, how are you friend? I'm fine. I'm just over here whispering choo-choo to myself all alone. <laughs> Looking out my window. Poor buddy. No diamond Joe Biden with me. Just me over here. Just well, I think we've got some questions up. about that. Uh, no so fireball. we'll get to that in the Twitter questions. Uh, but, uh, of course, thank you folks for listening. If we could ask you a small favor, please share the pod with Spartans in your life, rate review and subscribe on Apple podcasts and follow us on the old Twitter machine at Spartan underscore pod. Um, plum tell the folks what they got in store this week. Yeah. Every week we lead off the green wall where we'll talk about uh, what's happening in Michigan State football and basketball, important news with the two sports at Michigan State that always lead, and occasionally a little bit of something else. But this week, just football. Uh, then we head off Grand River and talk about sports across the United States, uh, from across the NCAA to other important news happening professionally, internationally, and uh, even golf. And then this week, we will talk about your Twitter questions as we always end the podcast with a very, this week, long, long segment, which seeks to inspire you, our avid listener, and connect you more deeply and more intimately, some would say, with your adoring podcast hosts. Great. Love the energy on that. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's head uh, behind that green wall and, and start chatting a little bit of football. Um, my favorite topic, teenage boys, 
and specifically of the recruiting persuasion, because uh, I don't know that we officially mentioned it on last week's pod, or I've just forgotten because of drinks, Uh, but the recruiting dead period after 15 months is over. And so Coach Tucker and company are finally able to recruit in person. Uh, that meant that they went, uh, up to Ferris state, uh, for a, a big showcase up there spoke with, uh, some other coaches, including the one from Ann Arbor. Um, and then this weekend, uh, we're hosting a ton of marquee, uh, recruits that they're hoping to join the program. This, I, uh, Greg, you know, I think you've been maybe a, the most naysayer, uh, on, on the, the oh. Tucker recruiting so far. Of the three of us, okay. Um, which is not to say that you are a naysayer, just the most. But this seemed to have more energy than than I remember in a long time around recruiting, obviously. And I don't know if that's just more social media, you know, glitz and glam. But did you get a sense that things were high energy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is not uh, some Sleepy Joe, Mark D'Antonio type uh, recruiting visit. I mean, it. One, my understanding, just looking through the timeline here in preparation for the show, uh, lots of engagement on Twitter from the recruits themselves, from their parents. Um, Seemed like, you know, the the media team at MSU outfit them with tons of stuff to put on their their social media. It's just an entirely different approach. Um, With D'Antonio, you would like hear that X guy was on campus. You might get a picture or two. On the Twitter or the message board, someone might say, I saw that recruit, you know, in the stadium. Um, But there's no doubt about what was going on this weekend on campus and at Tucker's house, um, which I (laughs) I didn't know that was a thing. Like, I don't think D'Antonio ever hosted recruits at his house. I might be wrong about that. I'm I'm probably completely wrong. I certainly had never heard of it, though. So, um, yeah, it's a new it's definitely a new regime entirely as as far as social media and recruiting approach goes i think so i i think it's um maybe worth mentioning that uh, you know we're not going to get into each individual recruit that came uh, it's just we're not going to land most of them so that's not particularly interesting or useful uh, other than to say that there were a handful of really big time recruits that were on campus one, though, large priority, I think is worth mentioning, uh, is Nico Markiel, because uh, he until recently was uh, committed to Florida State. Um, folks might remember we mentioned an A.J. Duffy on the podcast before as someone who visited the spring game uh, and and had delayed. Uh, he was a quarterback recruit as well. He ended up also committing to Florida State. And so Nico uh, decommitted to Florida State. It, it appears that he is now the top target for Mel Tucker's uh, 2022 uh, quarterback recruits. Um, Do you have any insight in what Florida state was doing there? I mean, they're the same recruiting class, right? It, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, it feels stupid. I, I know some schools have taken two quarterbacks before in a class. Yeah. I don't think two quarterbacks quite the same caliber, right? Like it'd be one thing to take a quarterback who has a wildly different skill set, or, you know, maybe you think you found a diamond in the rough. Um, 
but two four-star quarterbacks that that doesn't seem like it's ever going to work. Well, MSU is also recruiting uh, another four-star quarterback out of California, right? Jaden Denegal, I think is his name. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know that whole situation. Um, I don't think he was on campus this week. So um, yeah, I, you know, teams make decisions and I mean, that's that. We'll, we'll see, you know, maybe MSU will play Florida State in a bowl game and um, we'll get to see. That'd be a great time. After that would be a great commits, time. please. Uh, I guess the one other thing that I wanted to chat about uh, it related to all the visit this weekend and, and the social media pictures, Plum, I noticed a lot of the recruits getting to touch and hold Paul Bunyan. Yes, um, I saw that too. First of all, I, like I think that's great, right? Like let's and and apparently at um, at Mel Tucker's house, uh, he had the Michigan State Michigan football game on in the background from this past year, but. I am. Uh, what would you give to be able to hang out with Paul Bunyan? Is I guess really what I want to know because I would pay some money for that. Yeah, maybe I wouldn't want to get a splinter. I guess would be my main concern. I will say, you know, Mel called you get a booster seat at a table. Yeah, that's fair too. Mel Collin actually invited me if I wanted to come over and hang out with the guys uh, and hold Paul. And I thought it was. I mean, I was obviously out of town on this trip, so I couldn't. I couldn't get over oh. there this past weekend. You were but like, I it was Mel, nice to rain check, man. Yeah. Rain I was check. like, no, you, you, if you knew about this and you didn't tell me, and he was, I mean, he, he was, he sent flowers today. He was, he felt really bad about that because he had known, he just, <laughs> he'd forgotten to tell me. And that's okay. I mean, I understand it, but we'll have more opportunities to see Paul. Oh, Paul B. Yeah. Say. Michael, when you're here in town, we'll take you down to the Scandalaires building and we'll show you where Paul lives, where he spends all of his time. Yep. Um, he's right there. He's got a front. nice office. It's a nice little office. He's yeah. right there. He is the only trophy right now, right? So I bet they have him right up front and central. <laughs> I feel like you've got to pull out some historical trophy trophies just to like, you know, glitz him up around him, mm-hmm. you know, some some Big Ten championship trophies, etc. Mm-hmm. Um anyway, uh other news sort of recruiting adjacent, but uh, it, after we finished recording the pod last week. There was some movement on Mel Tucker's staff. Uh, folks may recall us talking about Scott Aligo, who is the director of player personnel. Uh, he left or was everyone, everyone parted ways. Uh, and he ended up at Kansas to be in charge of their scouting recruiting uh, division. And Michigan state ended up hiring Saeed Khalif from Wisconsin who is their director of player personnel to come over and head it up for Michigan state. Um, or I, I guess what are some nice things we could say about Scott uh, that it, because he certainly um, in, in his, in his capacity oversaw a major roster reconstruction, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I've never had dinner with Scott. I've never broke bread with a man. Um, I'm sure he's a nice guy. Um, but, uh, I mean, are we acknowledging that certain media uh, outlets made it sound like maybe he was encouraged to take this job at Kansas? Yeah. Go look him fair. up. Go look him up. Uh, so, I mean, th- you've got to assume that this is a net win. Um so 
happy trail, Scott. Best of luck to you down at Kansas, down in Lawrence. But uh, that happened really fast, that that transition. This is like someone, you know, like those girls that like don't break up with their boyfriend until there's a new boyfriend, you know, in the wings already. Was this one of those situations? I bet you there was a, it, it strikes me more as, um, you know, at, at big law firms, when it's time for an associate to find another job, mm-hmm. uh, they, you know, they let them stay on the website for months after they've been told that they need to find a new job, right? Like they'll keep them around. They, it's the, it's the one employer that, uh, will give you notice of you being terminated. <laughs> and I feel like maybe that was sort of a, a same thing. Like you weren't bad. We're not, you know, we don't dislike you. We're maintaining a relationship, you know, in the same way that you, you keep all of your Michigan state gear. You're always welcome back here as a, you know, as someone we like, but maybe go submit some applications <laughs> elsewhere. Uh, that was and- the D'Antonio approach, by the way. Uh, if we go back and we look at it, D'Antonio would always announce that someone was leaving the program with where they're going. that's fair uh though i it it seemed that some people just never found that next job and they just stayed at at michigan state like bullman but uh the i think the encouraging and interesting news that we will find out more uh, about him is saeed khalif who by all accounts from the wisconsin fan base they were very sad to lose um he's a guy who came from georgia tech to wisconsin and brought Wisconsin's recruiting class up to historical highs. So uh, Wisconsin was was sort of a, a D'Antonio-esque school where they found these diamonds in the rough and, and developed them. And Saeed Khalif got there and said, why can't we develop good players? Um, and so this past year, they were the number 16 class in the country. And he is given a lot of credit for the changes in the ways that they recruited um, and and developed uh, talent from within. So uh, it's a big pickup. And uh, I guess now, Greg, you can really start to get that 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 nasty attitude towards Mel Tucker's recruiting. Here, here. Uh, there is one nice thing that we should point out. And when I saw this name, I was like, what is this? Scott Aligo was the one that was given credit for the really good pro day uh, from earlier this year, yes. I believe. Um, so there you go, guys. Uh, that's something nice to say about Scott. Best of luck to you. Thank you for the blueprint for pro days. Um, <laughs> we'll be using that going forward. Yes. Much appreciated. Uh, Plum, your favorite position group in other news just got a little thicker. Because Ooh, thicker, come through. Yeah, yeah that on. was not the. As soon as the word exited in my mouth, I immediately regretted it. it but uh, Michigan State has a new transfer in Cody Waddell, Waddle Waddell, uh, who is a punter from Texas Tech who punted zero times at Texas Tech. Yes. Yeah, we. I love just that. figured kicking is is your thing, so uh, I'm excited about Cody. That's neat. Uh, yeah, it, it's true. His, um, I wouldn't recommend anybody go to the uh, the uh, Texas Tech website and look at the bio uh, for Mr. Cody Waddell because it does not does not engender much um, 
uh, in much confidence. The Red Raiders, uh, maybe I, I like to think that someone from the Red Raiders uh, technical side went in and edited that to make him look less. Uh, <laughs> you couldn't actually. Appealing. You really, it, you sort of like. I don't think he actually. He was even a member of the team after reading it. I wasn't quite sure how that was working, but no, he's committed, and uh, we needed another punter. So you know, let's just say we're excited about it, and he's going to do a hell of a job and punt the ball far and not super wide, more narrow, I guess, and but high way. and lofty, yeah. high and low. I I did genuinely mean to look up and see how many punters we have on the team currently, and I didn't. So um, let's just say, listeners, uh, it's this was a summer prep show, and when the season comes around, we will do a deep dive on your special teams. Uh, <laughs> but uh, gentlemen, I think it's time to head off Grand River and probably talk about the biggest story in college sports, generally speaking. Um, that is Coach K announcing his retirement from the college basketball, but he's going to wait a year to do it. Yeah, you got to take that victory tour, man. You got to do your Kobe tour, you know? He thinks he's Kobe. He's Kobe. Uh, so did, you got to go. Did you see your Tom Izzo immediately came on the air and was like, I would never do that? <laughs> no, really? No, I did yeah, not he, see that. Yeah, Tom Izzo was interviewed and he's like, yeah, when I retire, it's just going to happen. And it, like, I'll be gone the next day. Well, we might know because he'll have, you know, had an aneurysm on the court in 25 <laughs> years um, from screaming at an official. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, let's maybe we strike that from the record. That's like too specific, too real. Um, yes. Yeah, his press conference was a little bizarre, I thought, a little strange. Uh, I get it's weird with COVID that you have to do it in a big empty space and whatever. Coach K, isn't it right in front of the Coach K court logo too? It totally would be. And they, I just want to point out they had lilies on the side of like they had floral arrangements on the side of this table, which why first, but second, they were white lilies, which are a funeral flower. It's a funeral thing. <laughs> like, the, and it, it, I remember uh, reading about uh, when Nirvana did their Unplugged set and they did a whole bunch of white lilies and that was the, like, that's a thing. Um, uh, it just, it was really weird. It was a real weird choice from Coach K, I guess is all I got on that. Speaking of weird choices from Coach K, what do we think about 33-year-old John Shire uh, being tabbed as the next coach at Duke? First time head coach, 33 years old, going to be the 20th head coach at Duke next year. What do you think? How old was uh, was uh, Mike when he started the program? I mean, Duke wasn't Duke when he started the program, but I mean, older I, than 33. He, he might have been, yeah, he was very young. Uh, around the same age, around the same age. And while Greg is Googling that, <laughs> the, I, I think the, I, the interesting question about would Shire have been picked uh, had some of Coach K's coaching tree not failed at Marquette is kind of an interesting one. Because uh, for better or for worse, the Duke coaching tree doesn't have, uh, a, has about the same success as the Michigan State coaching tree. 
I guess is the best way. <laughs> if if we're being honest. Um, so. yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, Chris Collins wasn't getting that call um, after his time at Northwestern. In fact, Chris Collins is happy to just be, continue to be employed up in Evanston. Um, so, yeah. Did he get renewed? Uh, yeah, I don't know if I would have made that decision, but he might have been. And you are correct. Coach K did get hired at 33 at Duke. Um, so there you go. So that's what it is. I feel like this selection is just Coach K making it about himself again. Like, he just wants all those parallels to, he just wants his name put out into the universe. We have a we have a question on our feelings about the celebration tour, so I want to spare them. But I'm just I'm already over it. What do you think um, about these? Uh, isn't Izzo also putting out the vibe that potentially Duke is coming to Breslin this year? What? How would you feel if we had to host Coach K in this his final season of his farewell tour at Breslin? How? Because you know that Izzo would like do the Izzo, the gracious Izzo thing and stop everything at the end and thank coach K and blah, 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 blah. Would that make you throw up in your mouth? No, yes. cause I knew it. No, cause I knew he wouldn't mean it, you know, he would do it, but he wouldn't mean it. No, because when, I, all I want to do is just run up the score on them. And, and Tom be like, sorry, Ken Palm. They told me Ken Palm tells me I have to run up the score. <laughs> when Plum and I were in the, the zone, um, I don't know, Plum, if you were there for this Izzo meeting, but there was one where where Izzo said something about, you know, you know, if you have great ideas for the team, come come talk to me. You know, I'm not I'm accessible. I'm not some guy who, <laughs> who's 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 uh, office requires like a pin number to get into it at the end of the like getting out through a elevator or something like he just made some some joke about how inaccessible some other coach was. And then he was like, like at Duke um, and then moved on. <laughs> he did that one year. And then he, he took another shot at coach K when talking to the zone another time. I don't remember what it was to the same degree. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, that was before the internet. That was before social. Well, it was during the internet, but this was before like Twitter uh, would get you in trouble for that kind of stuff. So um, I don't think he does that anymore, but anyway, um, Coach K might be Coach coming K. to Breslin potentially. So long, farewell. Glad we beat you. Um. All right. So, uh, I guess w- I mentioned earlier that the Ferris State, um, uh, you know, camp had happened, and that Jim Harbaugh and Mel Tucker were both there. I, I think it's. I don't want to spend too much time talking about Dr. Anderson because we already covered it in, in great detail, but we did say that the, the conversation that the university of Michigan is going to need to have internally about what to do with Bo Beckler's legacy uh, is one that, that they should have and, and, and is ongoing. And I, and I, it feels silly to not to say all to spend as much time as we did on that and not, say that the early stages of that conversation in some ways are already happening because Jim Harbaugh, I believe in his first public appearance since the, um, the Wilmer Hill report was released was asked about Bo Schembechler and, you know, uh, the response was a lot of, that's not the guy I knew. 
um, which, it, you know, um, not great. Can we say not great? Not great. Not great at all. No. I mean, and, and I say that fully, like, it, you know, fully aware that in the middle of, uh, you know, Larry Nasser, that Tom Izzo said some not great things. Right. And so, you know, I, I, and I don't know that it's fully worth getting into the, the differences between the two or equating the two, other than to say that maybe coaches just are really terrible about talking about this stuff. Yeah, that seems likely. Um, but, but this is the, the early stages of a broader conversation about what to do about Bo. And, and, you know, Greg, you had pointed out that you're, you, you may see a lot of people, particularly former players, sort of speaking up on on Bo's behalf, right? And and this seemed to be an instance of that. Yeah. I mean, this is a dude. I mean, when he first came back to Ann Arbor, he did that whole bizarre thing at Bo's grave before the Ohio State game. Like there is a mythology of Bo Schembechler there. Ugh, and it is gross. Ingrained. So I, the graveside, you know what? That's just disrespectful. You know what? It, it, I, I would love to hear an uh, actual fan defend graveside shenanigans from. Uh, I just he yeah. he broke a buckeye with a hammer on oh on Bo's gravestone. It, it's odd. It's it's odd stuff. I mean, I get and, that he played for the guy, but just calm down. Just calm down. The uh, this whole Yoast thing that happened this week if we're not familiar uh there was a recommendation that due to you know issues in the past yeah with yost when he was both a a football coach and an athletic director there was a recommendation to change the name of the the hockey venue i don't know if that's like a trial balloon of how to start having these types of conversations i don't know if that's a coincidence i don't know what it is um, but I'm expecting this next conversation about what to do with the legacy of Bo Beckler to not go quite as smoothly as the Yoast Arena discussion. And Seems I to would be say going. there seemed to be a lot of pushback on the Yoast uh, recommendation. Not a lot. There seemed to be some vocal pushback on the, the, the Yoast recommendation. Well, if there's vocal pushback there, I think we yes, can expect that there will be even greater pushback um, at some point in the future. I would, I, I would push back. I'm when you said Izzo said some not great things. I think he said some inarticulate things. Well, I guess fine. It, I, I didn't, it didn't feel, it didn't feel worth getting into the, the distinctions between the two fine. in, in any meaningful way. Like it, I, it, it, more to say that I wish Tom Izzo hadn't really opened his mouth uh, or hadn't been put in the place to. Yeah. Um, Jim Harbaugh, I think, probably does have a a space to talk about this and an important one. Um, I'd like to believe that he had some time to reflect on this, but maybe his head was genuinely in that. You know, I'm at this camp, and and he probably should have addressed it a different time in a different place in a different manner. Um, but I, that's all I mean to say is that sure. it, it's just, yes. Um, I mean, it, the man knows how to deflect questions and uh, <laughs> he does. He, I mean, he, he's been famously short with press the entire time he's been at Michigan. So 
he chose to give to give a a more straight answer than you know many other times in his career which is strange to me but um yeah anyway this will be Icky. we've spent too much time on this bad man as it is and not enough time on his khakis <laughs> all <laughs> right well Plum, I, let's move on to another story, and that is uh, not more uplifting, but it is, I guess, positive uh, in some ways. Uh, so it, folks are probably familiar with the NFL's concussion litigation. Um, you are most familiar with it because it was um, performed by Will Smith as a doctor. Um, but if you follow the news, the NFL got sued by a bunch of former players and in in some cases, current players uh, regarding the uh, the effects of uh, brain trauma uh, associated with tackling and hitting and slamming into each other's heads and how that uh, did damage to them over the course of their life. The NFL entered a settlement uh, with a class of people, and I'm not going to get into the, the nitty gritty of it other than to say that if you were eligible to be uh, to receive compensation because of injuries sustained, you essentially submitted an application. Mm-hmm. And the headline is from there that, you know, you had to show measurables about how your your cognitive ability, your quality of life, et cetera, had declined. What came out is that the NFL had changed their policy on what's known as race norming. And that was that some litigants who were black had their claims rejected because it was believed that it it used a baseline for what their cognitive and normative uh, cognitive abilities could be. It said that they were lower because they were black. And so if they had been white, they would have actually qualified for, for, for an award. So Plum, can you walk people through what this race norming is and, and, maybe why it it's a bullshit science sure Hopefully. i mean i think that the problem here is that race norming itself largely has grown out of efforts to like affirmative action efforts actually um it's one of those post hoc ergo propter hoc fallacy issues where you you look at the data and the data shows that african americans uh have a have lower educational achievement nationally compared to white counterparts the conclusion isn't that black people are dumber or uh, inferior uh, intelligence. It is that they don't have the same opportunity and, um, for, for educational attainment, right? So the, the challenge, though, becomes how do you, you then standardize a practice which allows one to accommodate for the lack of access without building in a racial inferiority concept into the science or into practice? And unfortunately, that's what happened here as it continues to happen. Um, the Guardian had a really good article where they talk a lot about race norming and its history, and uh, their concluding sentence of the article is that the this, what's happened in the NFL is a reminder that racism can't be challenged by adopting racist ideas, mm-hmm. right? And that sort of you 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 will overcorrect if your if your attempt here is to um, is to simply take what you see the data show you, which is disparate outcomes, and then try to backfill from that, even though. Mm-hmm. When you look at disparate outcomes, you do want to control for them. You, you know, so we do this in medicine, for example. We do this in medicine all the time. Uh, and in fact, for a long time, the medical community believed incorrectly. There is no evidence to suggest that there are genetic differences between races. There aren't. And if you think that, 
you really should stay away from racist websites that purport that because there is no evidence that suggests that there's any genetic difference between race. There isn't. Okay. So start there. Once we understand that there's no genetic difference between white people, black people, or any other race or ethnicity, then we have to ask questions. Why do disparities still present? Why do we still see that African-Americans have uh, worse uh, congestive heart failure rates, uh, worse cardiovascular disease death rates across the country, especially in the South? Um, the disparities are real, but they're not driven by genetics, right? They're driven by social determinants of health factors. The challenge is that what we would then want to do is we want to have algorithms uh, in healthcare that help us predict when a black patient, for example, may be at a higher risk of coming in with a heart attack, not because they're genetically predisposed to getting heart attacks, but because socio-culturally, socio-historically, over time, African-Americans have not had access to the kind of preventive care and the good nutrition and access to exercise and uh, an environment, an environment that's free of stress and and racism and discrimination that would then allow them to live with less stress and allow them to live with more ability to exercise, eat well, and thus have the same or equitable cardiovascular disease death rates as everyone else in the country. But we still want an algorithm that can predict when that black patient may come in so that we can do something to prevent that heart attack death. The challenge is that the only information we have is information that tells us that these patients are more likely to die of cardiovascular health disease. So what ends up happening, and I, I'm getting really wonky now, but, but you can see how it's a difficult issue here. And that's what race norming was attempting to do. Yeah. The only way we can have an algorithm which, which predicts when a patient might come in is to use old data. Unfortunately, if we interpret the old data the wrong way, it's going to say that African-Americans, we, someone could look at the data and could say, oh, black folk are, 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 are genetically more likely or there's something about their bodies, or they're weaker. And, and, and this happens. This happens. There are any number of formula in healthcare around algorithms. Uh, the American Heart Association, for example, uh, looks at a risk score that patients use for systolic blood pressure rates and, and gives, gives more points to white people. In other words, meaning that they overcorrect for non-black folks in a way that for black patients, if they've got higher blood pressure, it actually unfairly dilutes the risk. And so high blood pressure among black people looks lower than it is because there's such a, a, an abundance of high blood pressure among black folk uh, that it, it, the, 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 the algorithm tries to correct for that. Mm. Um, a, an easier uh, example here, um, my, uh, there's an example within nephrology, within um, kidney care. Uh, there is an equation that is used to try to understand whether a patient may accept or not accept a kidney graft in case of there's a, a, a kidney failure and you need to get a kidney transplant. One of the tools that they use for African-Americans actually um, gives, a, gives a higher score to African-Americans, but because they have a higher score, it means they don't qualify as quickly to get the transplant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the same way, um, because there are uh, the, the score also in another reading of it means that African-American kidneys may not be as successfully uh, transplanted into the host. And because of that, you could understand that African-Americans may be more often dissuaded from even giving a kidney into the pool of available kidneys because there is a, a belief because of these these algorithms that African-American kidneys aren't well accepted. So I, I, I think I've, I know I've, I've probably gone too far in, in terms of some of the rabbit hole, but I, but I want to show you that the, the way these algorithms work is they take existing data and the data itself is informed not by genetics, but by sociocultural factors. Right. And that's what happened here. African-Americans have not had the same educational attainment. They haven't had the same opportunity for advancement. So the problem is the NFL looked at that and they said, oh, well, then what we're going to do is we're just going to call them dumber. And so we're going to start them at a lower cognitive score. That's not the right solution. The NFL solution was racist, full stop. There's no, there's no justification of it. But the progressive policies that got us here, as well-intentioned as they were, 
we're still in some respects paternalistic and you have to do more and you have to guard against them. And this is ultimately why, why race norming as a, as a class, while it's still in practice in many ways, has to continue to be understood and dissected and pulled apart. So we can intervene on the sociocultural, socio-historical context without furthering the racist legacies on which they're built. And I'll just add, uh, because it's easy to dunk entirely on the NFL here, and, and my inclination is to do so, uh, but the plaintiffs as a class had to accept these criteria. A judge had to accept these criteria. Mm-hmm. It is not entirely upon the NFL in here, though it is. Um, it, it seems like it was something that, they might have uh, there might have been some consensus on on the ease for which it it allowed or it, it, you know to your point plum it's there there's an attempt at standardization right um so but the nfl's gone away from it and is accepting people as individuals now and i think that's the positive here if we're trying yeah. to keep this as a positive story sure. um plum i'm going to pass to you again though i'm going to let grek <laughs> set this up here on our lol story to end off Grand River for the week. Yeah, so off in the PGA, Mr. John Rahm uh, had to withdraw from the Memorial Tournament this weekend while up six strokes against the competition for testing positive for COVID-19. Now, of course, we don't want anyone to test positive for COVID-19, but it turns out that Mr. Rahm not currently vaccinated. So, Mr. Plum. Uh, I know that you, you know, you've had an opportunity here to collect your breath, uh, since, you know, professor Plum, uh, last, last school does, but anything you want to say on this subject? Yeah, folks, you got to get a, you got to get your vaccine now. It, this we're this, you got to stop. This is silly. It's just, <laughs> you're just being silly. I, I know, I know folks, well, just, you know, if anyone out there is still doing the whole, like, I got to read the evidence thing, just remember if you use the words, I've got to review the evidence, just by virtue of that sentence, you've demonstrated, you know, QED, you are not smart enough to even understand the evidence. So just got to stop. Every medical expert is saying you got to get this thing. And at this point, for the folks in the back who are kind of like, I don't know if I trust medical science. And there's a lot of folks who are right not to trust medical science. There's been a lot of, you know, bad stuff done, especially the African-American communities. But folks look around. This isn't only being offered to African-American communities. This isn't being only offered to some communities. Not a, This is being offered everywhere. And to be fair, it isn't being offered to the global South in the way that it should be. It isn't being offered to third world or to, I shouldn't call it, third, to lower middle income countries the way it should be. Uh, it, so we do have real disparities and equities. But while it is available to you in this country, go get it. Do yourself, do your loved ones, do your neighbors, do the people who, who can't get this because I don't know why they can't, but they just get the damn vaccine. And let me put it to you another way. Everybody of note and scholarly merit, I mean, maybe not all of them, but let's say 90% of the medical community, maybe higher, has gotten this thing. If it turns out that this thing is a ticking time bomb, it's not, but let's just say in the make-believe world that it is, and everyone that got it died, I'd rather be dead with all of the rest of them then live in the post-apocalyptic hell that will be here with the few folks that didn't get it, right? Think about who those people are. Do you want to be alive with them? No. This is like the actual thing. At this point, you got to drink the Kool-Aid. I know that's not- Heaven's against yourself. Yeah. I know that's not a convincing- uh, convincing No, actually, I was going to point out that if there's someone in your own life that is still vaccine hesitant, 
Plum's first approach to convincing them to take the vaccine, it shows, research shows, probably not going to be very effective. Correct. But if you can approach them from this semi-conspiratorial side of like, <laughs> you might as well go down with the good ones, that might be more effective. You never know. But in fact, actually, the most effective way is just to point out that people around you have gotten the vaccine, they're doing well, their lives have improved, they've suffered no ill consequences, or if you know of one or two people, you point out that those consequences were not as bad as those that you may have in your orbit that did actually get COVID-19, um, and, and you try to approach the that situation. But there's one more step, Kevin, and that is tell them it matters to you. Yeah. Tell them it matters to you and ask them to make a plan. Tell them it matters and say, when, when can I go with you? When can we go together or yeah, when, when will I you get vaccinated? Mm-hmm. Because if it's they just like getting someone to vote. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Because if they make a plan, they set the appointment, they're much more likely to follow through. And if you can tell them why it matters to you that they get vaccinated, that may be all anyone needs to know. Yep. Until then, John uh, Rom, LOL, you dumb <laughs> idiot. Ha! Yeah. Uh, that COVID vaccine was not free for you, my man. <laughs> that COVID vaccine was expensive, <laughs> but also do get well. Um, do get well. I do like that he um, uh, he was told on the course, and he said, "Oh no, not again!" Oh my god, what? Really? <laughs> that was just yes. That was those were the words. He said, "Not again." <laughs> And I love that. I love that for John. Uh, and I, I believe a hundred eighty million dollar mistake. Um, but uh, I mean, and frankly, I'm surprised all pro athletes didn't just go get vaccinated to because it's insurance, right? It was well, free insurance. Yeah, they did. They didn't. They, in fact, I think there's some unofficial research that shows that they might be some of the least vaccinated groups in some places. Um, Great. Not in the All professional right. leagues, but in some other leagues. Anyway, continue. Let's. Uh, we are going to head on to Twitter questions, where the power rankings challenge continues. For those who don't know, uh, it, we're like, what are you guys talking about? Uh, every week, obviously, we field Twitter questions, and at the end of the show, or rather, a couple of days afterwards, we release a ranking of how everyone fit in that week. Who brought the best <laughs> questions? And over the course of seemingly the summer, maybe, uh, we're going to come to a winner, uh, which will still disproportionately wait whatever the last week was. So (laughs) what have uh, you done for me lately, dear listener? Uh, And we we begin with Taylor Anderson. Uh, I think it's I think it is worth mentioning that our current leader in the clubhouse is sitting out the next at least three weeks. So. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to win the Power Rankings Challenge... It's wide open. Carpe diem. Yeah. Uh, all right, yes. First up, Taylor Anderson. Uh, who asks? Uh, Michael Jones, why do you hate the state of Michigan so much? How did he become an elite, an elite East Coast... Uh, how did he become an East Coast elitist despite his humble land-grant university roots? Adding, for shame, Michael Jones. Uh... Well, I came to hate Michigan based upon how uh, Greg stumbles over words. Um, I'm a product of that same <laughs> humble land grant university, and look, look what it's done, Taylor Anderson. I cannot uh, read. I cannot write. Taylor, I don't know what you're talking about. I actually, 
my time away from Michigan has led me to appreciate the state a lot more. Yeah. I just, yeah, it's, it is a place that I was dead set on leaving and now would be happy to return to if life allowed. How, how are uh, you, uh, how are you going to prove it when you're here, Jonesy? You know, when you're here in the fall, how, what are you going to do to prove to the land, to the, to the Great Lakes state that, uh, that you appreciate it, that you've grown to appreciate it? Would you be mm. willing to get a state of Michigan tattoo, perhaps on your lower back, something like that? Would that do? Um, Please? Ooh, Please, I feel like there's some. I feel like I can. You can do better than a. Uh, a the back tat should should have. Um, We're gonna take you down river. We're gonna get you a state of Michigan tramp stamp, and that's final. Next up from Taylor Anderson, Plum. Maybe maybe a, a Mackinac Bridge on the on on the old Gooch. <laughs> Straight across. Straight. Okay. <laughs> All right. Next Bridge up. Yes. Uh, Taylor Anderson asks, has Plum ever carried his referee cards to the bar to use against fellow patrons as they get obnoxious? If not, would he consider it? You know, there was a, uh, at least one, probably more than one, uh, Halloween party in college that I wore my referee uniform out yeah. to and did. In fact, yeah. there's, I think a picture of me red or yellow carding one of you that yeah. I saw it on Facebook somewhere. So um, I'm going to say yes to this question because I think it's uh, fair to the spirit. Indeed. Indeed. It has been done. Um, All right. Next up is Vodka Soda 19, who asks a great visual question. Love those for the pod. Uh, but it is a picture from Coach Tucker's house and the aforementioned party. And the picture was zoomed in on a bucket of booze at the party. And the question is this. You have to pick one of the bottles from the picture to have and finish in one hour with Coach Tuck and Izzo. And you can't pick what your co-host picked. She also defines the order as Grek goes first, Plum goes second, I go last. Now, gentlemen, I was able to pick out four bottles from the crowd. I don't know if either of you got more. I did not. But there's there's Hennessy. Okay, there's Hennessy. Crown Royale, Woodford Reserve, which seemed to be untouched and I think was easily the best of the group. There is no doubt. And then there's no doubt. And Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels was also there. Um, so uh Greg, it is oh, to you. When I saw this question, I I was reaching for that Woodford Reserve. We're gonna sit down, the three of us, and we're gonna have a nice snifter's worth. So I take the Woodford Reserve and I go. You got to finish that stuff. giant bottle in an hour. It's fine. Well, we're we're game. <laughs> we're game. All right. What about uh, Plum. who's next? Plum. Yeah, it's me. Plum's you up. Know, I'm gonna just call back to uh, my college days because I wanted nothing more on a nice college night out than uh, some Crown Royal. So uh, uh, Crown Royal, and then we're gonna play. You know, twenty questions with a little purple bag, and we're gonna pull questions out of the bag, and we're gonna be giggling and doing like <laughs> with each other. So it's gonna be cute. It'll be a nice little fun night, the three of us. That's what I would have picked hands down, uh, but it seems Jack has has been left to me. Uh, Does it say something that none of us chose Hennessy? It's too. It's too much. Yeah, it's too. It's too much. Okay. Yeah, it's never. It's not. I I enjoy Hennessy. It's it's too much. Uh, Well, say la vie. Okay. Next up, great question. Great question. Thank you, Vodka Soda Nineteen. You are uh, very good at it. All right. Elon Bloom, this question for Mike Jones. What impact will Saeed Khalid have on the program? 
Really straightforward uh, question here. Yeah. Not much, not, not much, much uh, not much Yeah. And I think I said Khalif earlier, and now it makes me wonder if I had a typo in the name. Um, but uh, great question either way. And it is Khalif. Thank you. It, it's early to say, um, obviously, because one of the things that it, apparently he and Mel Tucker align on is this notion of what's a prototypical body type for you know position groups. He apparently developed some sort of maybe even computer program, but an actual meaningful system, a, a, some sort of matrix, if you will, for for evaluating and, and, and pooling talent that they they wanted to look at and potentially offer. Um, so I think he and Mel uh, align on the, the sort of systematic way that they approach recruiting. If he's bringing a system into place, then that can only help streamline a process and make people more efficient and more effective. But, you know, a lot of this is top down and mm. it, 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 I hate to harp on the shared vision, but it, it sounds like he's well positioned to execute on what Mel Tucker already wanted. Um, knowing that he did that at Wisconsin, where our, I might describe them as the least diverse big 10 school and, um, and coldest. <laughs> I was out and, there like, Hey. Hey, 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 <laughs> uh, but they I, honestly, the fact that he got Wisconsin to a 16, you know, in the nation, I think is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. And 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 you saw growth year over year over year. So if. Uh, if we're able to get into that top 25 space, I think that bodes really well. And he seems to be a dude who's really committed to that. And I think that's great. Um, OK, next up. From Elon Bloom, uh, Mr. Plum, how long does Jim Harbaugh have at Michigan? Does he go to the NFL before U of M stops renewing his contract? Jim Harbaugh will stay at Michigan exactly as long as Jim Harbaugh wants to stay at Michigan. Uh, it is true that Michigan will continue to drop his contract. Pretty soon he'll be making $18 an hour uh, and begging for overtime. Uh, that will probably happen in the next six or seven seasons, but they will never fire him. They don't have the stones. Um, and <laughs> their boosters are too inept as is evidenced, evidenced by every other decision that they've made at that, um, that school. So, um, the, the bigger the question is which NFL team would want him yes, yes. to be absolutely useless in Ann Arbor. I don't know what merit or value he brings to a professional program. Uh, and the guy believe, is unhinged. Like, I don't believe they have, you know, given much, uh, interest over the last several years. I, mm-hmm. I don't even know He'd that go to the Ravens if he needed to, right? Like he, open, uh, I guess to be on his brother's staff. I don't know. That yeah. seems like a bit of a slight. I mean, I think he'd be, I think he'd be better off just licking your wounds, counting your money for a little while and then yeah. landing somewhere else. Go open like a youth tutoring program. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Just not not long. So yeah. Anyway, as long as he wants, I, I truly believe as long as he wants, I cannot see Michigan firing the man. Now it, 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 they may arrange another exit for him, a more grace filled one, but you know he's not going to go anywhere. The guy's an idiot and way too pride proud. So. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't see Ward firing him. I guess. Yeah. Because uh, that would make Ward more important in some ways than Jim Harbaugh, and I don't think if that fits into the mythology of 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 Bo. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Um, uh, Greg, 
Would you rather have a meal with Tom Izzo or Mel Tucker? This is sort of a derivative question from what we had last week. And the answer is uh, Izzo still. Sorry, Mel. I, I appreciate it. But if I get FaceTime with Izzo, I'm going to take FaceTime with Izzo. That's just sort of the way it is. Do you guys yep. disagree? I might. I I would have to think about that. Like, Mel's got some stories and he's been around too. Like, yeah. Um, and Mel seems to like food. So your answer comports with someone who doesn't like food. So That's that true. makes sense. Yeah. But uh, like I imagine a meal with Mel Tucker would be a lot of fun. Um, this is not a slight to Mel. I'd be perfectly happy to. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, I just think it's actually a harder convert, harder question than like who would talk more. Of course, it's Tom, right? Plum, like Plum, break the tie. Break the tie for us. It's t- it's Izzo. Yeah, it's yeah. Izzo. That's not a question. Next up from Dan Hellpepper to celebrate Michigan's uh, Greek people and their contributions to civilization. The Spartans should wear a Coney dog themed alt helmet slash Jersey. True (laughs) or false plum. You are, you are Coney dog aficionado here on the, uh, on the podcast. Uh, You know, Greg, we got to talk about this too though, right? Sure. Yeah. And, and whether the Spartan Spartan logo to begin with is offensive. Oh my God. Oh You're going to save that for another oh God. time. But <laughs> Plum, Plum, answer the question. Uh, yeah, it's true, but it has to be a Flint style Coney dog helmet and okay. I will be there with, uh, with, uh, with, with bells on. It had better be a Flint style Coney, uh, Coney for sure. Next up from Dan Hellpepper, Jonesy. <laughs> Isn't that very offensive to, to Greek people? Isn't that even more offensive? Like we're going to honor you by putting a Coney dog on a helmet. No, they love it. And Everyone nothing about it. Flint. Everyone's a Coney. How dare you? What's wrong with you? Uh, next up from Dan Hellpepper, Jonesy. No, Greg, this is for you. Okay. What would be your go-to insult if you wanted to start a fight? Ooh. Um, uh, if I wanted to start a fight, I would, uh, I, would just, I would just say, you blathering fool. And that would be it. I mean, it's on at that point. Right, like no one can be called a blathering fool and just let that stand. Agreed. You you have to for your own honor, yeah. for the honor of your parents. Uh, you have will to. Will this fight be com- in that moment. Will this fight be comprised of only open hand slaps? Well, there would be uh, rules. <laughs> we would be removing our gloves and slapping each other back and forth um, at one point or another. Um, do you guys have anything else that you would add to this? Can you best blathering fool? I mean, I know you can, but what would be your second uh, insult? Uh, plums would probably involve a meteorological phenomenon and uh, a word we will not be saying on the podcast. True. True. Uh, <laughs> uh and yeah, that, that tracks. Uh, Greg, what's the next book you're going to read? Uh, the next book uh, is called The Color of Law. Um, it's about re- uh, redlining um, huh. in America over you know, the last several decades. It's the institutionalization of, of racism in terms of uh, homeownership and building wealth and all those types of things. It is, uh, it is right there, and I'm going to pick it up, and I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it this summer. Just recently, very uh-huh. recently, very, very recently. <laughs> All right. Next up is Raymond Chains. Raymond, this one's for Jonesy. Jonesy, what are you doing to stop the Wolverines? Are you pooping in the big house? Encouraging Wikipedia to delete entries on U of M in Ann Arbor? Contacting the recruits to lie about the program. 
I'm I mean, definitely calling all the teenage boys. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we have manipulated Wikipedia sites, so that tracks. <laughs> that tracks. Um, I'd like to say that at some point in my life, I probably have pooped in the big house. If I'm being honest, having grown up so close to it, I I I have been to a game or two there. Um, but I think the thing is, Raymond, if we're being very real, the Wolverines are doing all that's necessary yeah, to stop say. the Wolverines. Yeah, not sure. I don't need to do anything. Uh, all right. Uh, next up, Greg, this is definitely for you. Do you think we could get together for a women's basketball game? It's a cheap, underappreciated activity, and it has all the show business and bells and whistles of any other Spartan sports production. Greg, what do you say? Yeah, let's go. That sounds like a good time. Let's get some tickets. Let's go. Let's cheer on Susie. Do we have an, I mean, as long as we can spell out merchant across our, our merchant across our chests, um, I'm down. Um, what's a, what's a date that people won't forget that I can, I could shoot up there for a <laughs> September 11th plus, plus 34 days, um, is a date that, that cannot be forgotten. Nine uh, plus 11 is 20 plus nine eleven is no, that's still September. All right. We're going to figure this out, but that is a great idea. That is a great idea. Uh, Raymond, I appreciate I it. I would, I would love to, we could, uh, I wonder if, I wonder if there'd be back to back or, or near adjacent men's and women's games at home. That might be a fun, fun little thing to do this winter. Yeah. Anyway, last up Raymond chains, Alex this week on behind the scenes with Tom Izzo. After D'Antonio uses downfield blocking skills to rescue Steven Izzo, Tom experiences jealousy and worries about the filial bond eroding. Meanwhile, Lupe and Susie, Susie Merchant share the resentments of MSU men's basketball as Juwan Howard pulls the strings. Oh, no. Evil. It was Juwan Howard the whole time behind the scenes. The puppet master. The puppet master. I think that's. I think that's it. I don't think Tom ever has a concern of filial bonding uh, uh, eroding or any other concern. Um, You know, he chose the shortest baby he could find uh, with uh, with little Stephen Izzo, and so there's uh, there's a tightness there that can never be can never be broken. But it is without doubt that um, uh, technical foul ejection, Juwan Howard, who cannot comport himself professionally with other big 10 coaches and is a smear on the reputation of the university of Michigan basketball program uh, would absolutely do something like pull the strings and, uh, and try to uh, try to cause ill will between, uh, between Lupe Susie and, um, and the wonderful, wonderful, uh, wonderful time as women's program. Quick question aside on, on Juwan here. Uh, You know, his name popped up related to several, NBA openings two, mm-hmm. two, not several two. Um, do we think that is, um, is he going the Jim Harbaugh route of, I'm just going to, uh, I'm going to stoke this, this fire as, as much as I can to, to bring home the cash. Or do you think he leaves? Do you think it like he, he let's not deny he had a great year. He has the number one recruiting class coming in. Like, it, it, do you think his heart's in college basketball? I don't know. I, I don't have a read on it. I don't. It's either way, 
I love the headlines. Indeed. Uh, all right. Next up, Joe Ashworth. Greg, Joe is bored hearing about plum roughing soccer. You and I need to pick a sport that we'd like to officiate. Uh, what's the one that's like? Joe, I just want to say you see us in a way that no one sees us. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Joe. Uh, I'm going to take like bowling or something. No, that's not. What? Yeah. yeah, I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick bowling. You know, I sit at the end of the end of the line. I drink more beers than everyone else. I eat some wings. What the hell does end of the line mean? Like and, on the pins? All the lines of all the of all the all of the different uh, you know rows of, of of you know I I don't even care. You know I and I rule with an iron fist. What I say goes. So when there's a shoe foul, you know I call it disqualified. You're out. I think it would be more fun for us to officiate basketball together. Mm. merely because our size differential on display when we have to confer about a call would be a thing to behold. Oh, that sounds very athletic though. I don't know. Although I do <laughs> like the idea of being able to take every call and going back to the monitor for it and just make everyone sit there while I go back to the monitor again. And everyone has to watch me at the monitor. I'm not the first one to have this idea, by the way. Oh, I think about this for you two all the time. Yeah, Plum, what do you think Greg and I should officiate? Uh, wrestling. Mm-hmm. Wrestling. Honestly, yep. that tracks. Yep. All right. Uh, Joe asks next, relegation is unlikely to work in NCAA football. Thanks, Joe. Uh, but in the new and exciting age of the transfer portal, maybe a farm system can be a thing. What Mac school should Tucker team up with to poach overperforming upperclassmen and send down young or underperforming guys to get experience. I'm going to tack on an extra on this. What's a school that Tucker should do it with? And then let's say MSU had to marry a team as its farm team. Ah. So Tom Izzo also has to take it. This is like a Michigan slippery rock type situation. Um, I will take... God, you know, of the, I don't have a great reason for this. I just always have preferred uh, the Western Michigan Broncos of all of Me the too. Mac schools. So I'm just going to choose that for that reason only. Uh, Plum, do you have a, a better, more articulate, well thought out Mac school? That you would Green, maybe? I mean, I might as well choose Toledo because notable uh, Michigan down transfer Anthony Wright was there. Uh, uh, Akron? I know these are uh, Ohio schools. I kind of feel bad about that, but um, isn't is we can Buffalo all agree not Mac? Eastern? We can all agree not Eastern. Is Buffalo in the MAC? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Buffalo I would. Well, Matt Seibert came from Buffalo. Didn't Buffalo make a tournament run recently? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going Buffalo. I've okay. talked myself into it. Buffalo, it is. There you Buffalo go, Joe. Is. Finally, from oh, Joe Ashford. Yeah, okay, you go ahead. You yes. Uh, Plum, this is for you. Oh. What is your favorite Great Lake and place to visit at the aforementioned lake? I'm going with Lake Superior and the Black Rocks in Marquette. Oh, that's very good. You know, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say, this isn't my favorite place, I, but I will say Lake Michigan. I think that's my favorite Great Lake because yep. uh, I love the sunsets. And I'm going to just choose uh, Legs Inn. If you haven't been to Legs Inn on the coast of Lake Michigan, up, 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 up north, you haven't been. You got to get Polish Legs food. Legs Inn, up the I feel, refers to a depth. Okay. <laughs> it's legs and Eggs Inn. Uh, good. Good. Uh, good. Uh, Greg, do you have a different answer? 
Uh, I, I don't have a uh, perfect, you know, a preferred place. Uh, I've spent the most time on Lake Michigan. In fact, right off of us two up in the upper peninsula. Um, so for lack of anything better to say, let's go with that. Take a hike pictured rocks. Uh, next up from B list, uh, Joe uh, plum. Can't Wait, read. Can't, I oh. know this one. All right. I'm not, oh God. Good, good job. It's a, it's a, I actually, Oh, you don't I don't know. know that I know oh, it, but I know you. All right, it. but anyway, Jonesy, uh, can't read, can't write vocab. Uh, work of the uh, word of the week, spatchcock. How would you define? So I feel like I overplayed my hand, but <laughs> spatchcock is the thing you do to a chicken, wherein you split it in half and lay it flat. Ding, 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 ding. So I don't know how to define the process of. Lay, splitting in half and laying flat other than to say spatchcocking or you know you might butterfly something that's another way of saying it that's a much more violent way of saying it um how do you guys know this are you i can tell you how i know it trader I joe's cook. Trader, i cook and trader joe's sells a nice spatchcocked lemon chicken uh it's uh in, a, in its own uh marinade very good so greg here's the thing when you want to cook like a, a turkey or a chicken right it is the difficulty is getting to cook evenly. Um, and when you cook evenly, it, it doesn't dry out as much sure. or parts of it don't dry out as much. So spatchcocking allows you to create more uniformity over the, the entire body of the chicken or turkey. And so therefore get a more uniform. How does this align with putting um, chicken nuggets on a baking sheet? Uh, on 350 for for 25 minutes and flipping once is it the same general idea there so this tracks with everything i know about your diet um mm -hmm. though mm -hmm. what's interesting to me is your patience hmm. to use the oven instead of the microwave well uh the oven uh is even lazier you just have to be willing to wait a little bit longer for food but if you're you know you don't care about food that's not a problem you know and you can right. do a lot more that way. So it works out great. Next up from B-List, Plum. What do you think uh, Luana K. Simon's up to these days? Uh, laying low. Very, <laughs> very low. And reflecting. And ref a lot of reflection, a lot of low laying, I have to think. She's not exactly uh, at, at Rick's, you know, playing it up right now. I'll tell you where uh, she's not going. It's the land chart. She's not, you're not going to see her on the front page of the Lansing State Journal. Nah, not happening. Sure. Not All right. Happening. Michael Jones, first question from Mama Maple Leaf, our favorite Canuck. Who is your top choice as an MSU representative to the National Football Foundation's 2022 ballot? Four options. Daryl Rogers, who played between 76 and 79. Uh, offensive tackle Flozell Adams, who played in 97. Kicker Morton Anderson, who played in '82, or everyone's favorite Gideon Smith uh, from the 1913 to 15 team. Um, this isn't hard. It's Morton Anderson, NFL's former all-time leading scorer. Yeah, who was who was that amazing of a kicker before? anyone had science behind kicking mm -hmm. sure. the uh, great dane indeed yes. it and, is worth go ahead yeah oh no no uh and seemingly uh, uh kind of a, a cool dude too uh who um very happy to be a spartan 
Yeah. Uh, Gideon Smith, shout out to Gideon Smith. The reason I'm guessing he's included on this list, MSU's first black football That's player. Yes, Nose tackle. Uh, next up from Mama Maple Leaf, Plum. A March Spartan Avenue article said that Terrace Reed Jr. is, quote, a solid prospect who definitely fits that Izzo mold. What athletic abilities or personal characteristics constitute a, quote, Izzo mold? And who on the 21-22 team still needs more chillin' time before satisfying Dom's palate? <laughs> wow. The- Are we calling Spartan Ave- Avenue articles now? The thing I'm saying... Go ahead, Plum. Sorry. Uh, no, it's good. It's a good question. I uh, let me take the first part, I, and I would love to get your input on this too, guys. What you think a Spartan, an Izzo mold is for a Spartan player? I think Tom looks for players that are receptive to coaching and feedback. I don't think he looks for guys that direct come in, feedback, direct feedback, very clear, direct, and honest feedback. I don't think he looks for guys that are. Um, too big for the britches. I think uh, he actually really detests that. I don't think we often see that. Um, I think he does like to get pushed back a little bit. So he yeah. wants to build some of that confidence. But um, And he wants a workhorse. He wants guys that are going to muscle and work hard. Work hard in the paint. Be back on defense. Um, so that's, I think that's the kind of guy that, that Tom Izzo goes for. And he goes for all kinds of guys in terms of size and aptitude. If you're kind of big, he'll work you to get thin. If you're kind of thin, he's going to beef you up. If you're slow, he's going to make you fast. If you're short, he's going to put you on stilts. Yeah. And make you tall. He's just going to ignore you as his son. Um, you as his son. If, you, if you take the man for his word, what he says time and again is he wants a player coach team. So I think he's looking for guys that can lead either verbally or by example. Um, and, you know, uh, sort of lead the team in those ways that that he can't you know he can be scheme he can be practice he can be those types of things but in the moment and i think this is what makes him so successful in big moments is that uh it's actually the guys on the court holding each other accountable um that he looks for most in 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 uh, a recruit um as for who's on the 21 22 team that still needs more chilling time before satisfying the palette. I mean, Gabe I, there's not that many guys left. Gabe Brown's an option. I mean, the, the truth is there's a lot of guys that need <laughs> some more time on the chill plate on the 21, 22 team um, to meet. What I, we, uh, I mean, I think it's, there. it's fair to say that uh, like it, it was reported that Cassius Winston was never Tom Izzo's. They didn't see eye to eye in some ways. Right, like that that Cassius Izzo thought was too chill. And so Izzo has, I think, opened his eyes up, but there I I think it's one of our concerns about the team, right? Is that there's no one that we're like, Yep, that's next man up. Yeah. Gabe? No. I don't see it. It's I mean, ask a protect jerk guy. You know, it's Gabe's team next year. So um, (laughs) next up uh, from Mama Maple Leaf, uh, Jonesy, in selecting a beer, which factors, uh, in selecting a beer, which factors, choose one from each category, alcohol by volume, standard reference method, bitterness units, colon gravity units need to be there in order to satisfy your palate. I butchered the read of that. Yeah, Um, so 
it also, uh, Mama Maple Leaf coming back to that pallet well uh, twice. Yeah. So uh, here, here's the thing, Mama Maple Leaf. It's it's calories to alcohol. The alcohol content to me is interesting, but it's summer season. It's seltzer season. So I want to know how many ABVs I'm getting for how many calories. Is this real? You count the calories on uh, on the seltzers? Well, we don't all have your natural inclination for thinness, you <laughs> slenderman. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and in fact, I recently downloaded uh, the the carrot uh, uh, calorie counting app because I would like to lose a couple pounds. Um, and so, yes, I very much consider how much alcohol I'm getting for my buck on, uh, on the calorie count. Uh, but if I'm answering more sincerely, I, um, I think I'm an over on the five. If I'm, if I'm genuinely looking for a beer to enjoy, I'm over on alcohol content over five. Um, I tend to be, uh, the standard reference method refers to like darker versus lighter beer. I'm going to be in the pale ale to Porter, uh, clarity level. Uh, which should probably hopefully give people a, a vision. Um, and I don't know what this, I, I don't know what the, uh, the bitterness units to gravity units actually means in application because the only time I'm going to refer to a beer as more bitter is because it's, well, I, I don't know. I take that back. I, Mama Maple Leaf, here's the thing. I don't like an IPA. I like a pale ale because it has some complexity. It has notes of both hops and malts. So uh, I'm going to go with probably a greater than 0.5 on the ratio. If you're asking, which is, and she is. It's she a good question. She was. she was. All right. Next up is always thinking 1835. Unless you guys want to get into your beer selections nope. based upon some metrics that we didn't <laughs> think about. Oh, Plum. Plum, I want to ask you about your... <laughs> All right, Greg, take some time on this question. All right, buddy. Next up, always thinking 1835 in honor of the Twitter question competition. I dedicate my three questions to a competition for you. Whomsoever gets the most correct wins a prize as conveniently ambiguous as the one for the Twitter (laughs) questions. First question. I'm usually either running or washing dishes. While I'm listening to the pod, which or neither do you suspect I'm doing right now while listening to you answer this question? Plum, what's your choice? You're going for a run. You're running right now. It's a beautiful day. You went for a run. You had to. You got home from work and you had to do something. You went for a run. Except for, I I, I think, always thinking 1835, Michigan-based, Albion reference there. It's supposed to rain this week. So I'm going to take the field uh, on this. I'm going to say you might be up to anything else other than running or washing the dishes. Um, Greg, because- have you never heard of a treadmill? <laughs> okay. All right. Running. All right. Next up from always thinking 1835, Jonesy, given my likely current activity, can you offer me some inspiring encouragement? The most encouragement gets a point. You don't want to die, do you? Run harder. Yeah. Run faster. Work your lungs. Is this die? Is it like in the immediate sense? Like he's in some kind of immediate danger that he's supposed to be escaping from or die oh. is in like be, be physically fit and live longer generally. 
both work here. You are being chased by knives or people wielding them anyway. Uh. And or you're on the treadmill, in which case you've set the miles per hour way too high and you literally need to run faster. Or death, you're looking to escape it, generally speaking. And I would just say, just pretend you're me on a soccer field and you've got to run over to a player to give them a red card and then run over to another player to give them another red card. And just remember, they're all Ubu drivers. And so you just have to give them all red cards. Ubu? Go, Ubu? Go. And finally, from Always Thinking 1835, Plum, once you're so you have to, you're part of the competition. Um, uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, always thinking 1835 tell Plum you what blew his nose <laughs> and a little T- <laughs> tell you what if you uh if if you run the hardest you've ever ran before if you just run your little heart out i can guarantee you a spot in the top 15 in this week's rankings anyway next up from always thinking 1835 number four plum once your episode is over what should i listen to next in order to escape to inevitable to escape the inevitable existential void of my own thoughts. Best answer gets a point. Uh, just, and saying so listening to the episode again gets negative points. Um, also fair. I guess what I would say is first in response to your encouragement, which was all about um, running, even though you played the field on that one and pretended that it wasn't going to happen. They weren't going to be, he wasn't <laughs> going to be running. So that's terrible encouragement for something you didn't think was going to be happening. So that's a technical default for you. Uh, but to the, what you should listen to next, I will listen to the album, keep it together by Guster. It's a refreshing, upbeat, cheery album. It's my favorite album of all time. And I think you'll like it a lot. Hmm. Hmm. Greg. Uh, next thing you should listen to is a uh, recording, not of any of us, but of yourself telling yourself how disappointed you are and how little you ran this week, actually. Um, so that in order to, to, I don't know, get you to run a little bit more in the future. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Jonesy, go. Uh, how did this get made? One of my favorite podcasts. Mm. Enjoy mm. it. Don't, not a mini episode. That's not the way you get introduced to it. You got to listen to a non-mini episode. Um, but that that would be my recommendation. Uh, And then after you're done with that, come back and listen to us again. Like, subscribe, and rate, review. Uh, All right, next up is Nick Kamansky. What data would you like included in the new (laughs) Neacock Twitter rankings I'm working on? Since, you know, weekly Twitter question wins and losses don't tell the whole picture, we need robust analytics here to figure out the real champion. Well, I think we need a, a a process measure, a KPI here around how quickly people get their questions in. You know, are they spending all week, or there's some right on response to the uh, the the solicitation of the questions. Does someone have a good one already baked? You know, an efficiency measure. Of an efficiency sorts. measure. I like a I like a, a a quick on their toes kind of funny guy. Okay, there's one of those. Uh, I appreciate that. Let's let's put brevity in there. It's the soul of wit. Hey, so it you is. know we we get really verbose with our this whole forty you know five thousand character question you got here, Nick. You know that that's what I would look at. What about you, Jesse? Nick, Nick, here's the thing I would ask: is that I'm about ready to read your next question, and if both of your questions are about questions, how do you think an advanced analytic would handle that? <laughs>
about as well as they handled MSU's offense this past year. Next up, will I be reinstated as the king of can't read, can't write Twitter in August? No. That's all I'm hearing about on the One Spartan Nation News Network, OSN3. Well, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Uh, It's worth pointing out that uh, the OSN3 is uh, the finest news network for all things uh, Spartan news um, in the nation, and, and none of it, uh, none of it is fake. Not a, not a, not the least bit. Not Next up from Jer Bear. Yeah, Plum. Uh, what's the best in-person movie experience you've ever had? I don't know the answer to that. I guess I remember going to see. No, that's not true. I was gonna say I remember going to see Twister at the drive-in, but that isn't what happened. That was a f- scene in Twister while they were at a drive-in when the Twister wow. through. Well, that's definitely then one of your best movie experiences. Period. You were engulfed by that film. That was immersive. Apparently, was immersive. let's just say that then. That was it. That was the best experience. It immersed me. What about you? you, do you um, in-person here? movie experience. Um, God. This is lame, especially with what's happening in the next several years with the sequels coming out. But I do remember the 3D and Avatar was done really well. And I was like, oh, God, this is like the technology. This is what it was meant to do. And I uh, I defended that film through all yeah. of it. Yeah. Through all of uh, the perfectly, perfectly valid criticism that it received both before, before and afterwards. Um, because I enjoyed it so much at the time. Sure. Um, sure. there were also some comedies in the mid two thousands that were a really good time because of the, the crowd that was there, um, that I would include on the list, but yeah. can we revisit avatar? Because I think you no. are no, the quote that I most remember when I said it's a bad movie at the time. And you said, but did you see it in 3d? And I said, but did you listen to anything that was said? It's a garbage movie. Did you listen to anything I said about what I, about Avatar, I acknowledged the criticism. Um, Did you acknowledge you were wrong? (laughs) If you're watching it in the theater and you just want a popcorn film, you could do much worse than Avatar. I don't know that you could, but all right, we'll move along. Next up, Jer Bear. You get one condiment plum to use exclusively (laughs) for the rest of your life. What do you use? And Plum, I want you to answer this question here in the States. And then I want you to answer this question as if you're in Micronesia. And does that change your answer? Uh, no, it's mayonnaise and it's both here and in Micronesia. And uh, it's almost as if you were set up to ask me that question because, uh, one of the greatest and worst things I ever done in my life, I ever did in my life was in Micronesia, which was, um, I'd been out on the first island that I served on, uh, for probably, I think I've been out there for four months. And at that point, you know, had gone through all of the peanut butter, all of the other goodies I'd brought myself. And I was, you know, living on uh, boiled fish, um, usually two or three times a day with rice and also water that my host family cooked for me so that I could, you know, drink it without getting sick. So it was always like just warmer than lukewarm and always tasted like the smell of burning because they would cook it over an open fire. And uh, anyway, one of the small planes came through and dropped off some passengers who had brought donuts with them from um pompeii the donuts are not the donuts you're thinking of that you got that are glazed or have got frosting on them and stuff they were just you know like a plain donut but super greasy because they're you know fried in this really bad oil and they're overdone so it's just a greasy bread product and very very bready 
And I took those donuts and they also brought mayonnaise and I slathered those donuts in mayonnaise and I ate my heart out. So mayo. And the good thing about mayonnaise doesn't need to be refrigerated. You know, you buy, it, you buy it in the store and it's not refrigerated. And as long as you never refrigerate it, it never needs to be refrigerated. Mm. And I can tell you three years in the Peace Corps. I am probably 68% mayonnaise. So. It's more Honestly, mayonnaise now. I, man. I enjoy mayonnaise quite a bit. Uh, and I normally people look at me the wrong way with my love of mayonnaise. And I'm glad you took that hate for me, Plum. I think you know what I'm talking about. Um, <sighs> but the, I think it's mustard for me. Okay. Greg, you got a condiment? Oh, uh, I'll take, um, I'll take the goop from the matrix. Um, All right. That's really that on okay. whatever. Next up, Jonesy F. Mary kill, uh, Poncheros, Tom Izzo case hall. I feel like this is, uh, uh, a hate crime directed at plum and I <laughs> in wherein we have to, uh, this is so tough. This is a hard one. Um, for those who don't know the game, uh, F stands for uh, make Copulate. love to um, in a sort of one night sort of situation. Uh, and marry one and kill one off. So Ponchero's in East Lansing is already dead is the thing yeah, that I'm kind easy. of up against here. And my understanding is Case Hall has been as much as I have nostalgia for it has been renovated in important ways. I mean, I, I'm going to, I'm going to marry Tom. I've already had case hall once. I'll have her again, but I'm going to fuck case hall and I'm going to kill puncheros. Yeah, that's it. That's right. That's the, yeah, that's, that's that, the, that's the order of operation. That's the answer. Right? That's the answer. It was, it was actually, this was a tough one though. Cause I, I do love case hall. Um, <laughs> and I used to love pancheros. Yet the, those, those freshly made, um, tortillas, oh, you know, they're, they're an Iowa thing. Huh. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I did not know that. Notice. Yes. They are an Iowa thing. All right. Uh, next up is CT and TC. Uh, if you could have one play by play man or woman CT, Follow you around and announce your every move. Who would you want? He got it. Gotta <laughs> be Will Teeman. Oh my god! It, I, it I know great. exactly when Will Teeman is saying that for you, Plum, and uh, <laughs> that gives me great joy. Um, honestly, I think the energy I bring to my life is that of Tom Brenneman. The one who announced his own firing for the Cincinnati Reds. Oh my God. Yeah. Not the racial slur part, or I'm sorry, the homophobic slur. Not yeah. that part, but just that level of awkwardness feels right for me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I want that in my life. Um, all right. Uh, next up, uh, CTNTC. Greg, how excited are you for the Coach K farewell tour? Uh, I'm out of the edge of my seat. I can't wait to watch ESPN just pour over every last moment of everything. Um, I, bro, I'm going to have to go down in a bunker at the end of the college basketball season. This year's tournament is going to be the worst tournament. Um, you assume they make the tournament. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, oh they got to get back in, right? Um so, yeah, can't wait. What about can't you guys? Wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. No, it can't. I can't wait so much that I'm just gonna wait. How's that? 
Uh, last up from CT and TC is for the lawyers among us. That has to be one MBP Jones. How do you think CT's chances are at suing the Detroit News for libel? <laughs> CT, great question. Great question. Uh, uh, and I mean, I first of all, I want to say that I'm impressed that you used the right, um, right. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Word phrase. Okay. Yes, word. Yes, thank you. Uh, you not slander. Slander versus libel. Um, J. Jonah Jameson taught us the difference in Spider-Man. Yes. Oh, you're right. Thank you. Uh, so I think that you're going to have a hard time on this one, um, because the reality is that the Detroit News puts about as much effort into that article as they do anything else very clearly. Uh, they'll just write what's given to them. And they Googled uh, what people are saying about um, that particular matter on the old internet and found you. And um, they just type what they're told. We've seen that a la Tony Paul. And so I think their, their pattern and practice is that defensible. Um, they're just reporting what's out there. And if we're being honest, truth is always a defense. And the reality is you're a Spartan and yeah. we all know it. We all so know it. we all know it. All right. Uh, next up uh, from CT and TC. Nope. Is that is it next up is Matt Alexander. Um, Greg, can any of today's current players compete with Bo Jackson from tech mobile? Uh, are there any current current uh, NFL or college football players that are just a human walking cheat code? Um, I don't think anyone goes quite that far. Um, what would the closest thing be? I I don't even know. Um, uh, I mean, the answer is no. No one even gets close to the man, the legend, the Bo Jackson and Tempo Bowl. I mean, Dame Lillard in one of those playoff games was a walking cheat code. Uh, but that's as close as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, Plum, uh, what is your favorite sports video game? And what do you think Matt's is? <laughs> and I do have one. Oh, wait. Don't let Plum make you think I don't. All right, Greg, this is also to you then, apparently. Uh, what is my favorite sports video game of all yes. time? Um, uh, uh, I'm going to stick with bowling. We bowling all time greatest. No, um, I think Mario golf for the game boy color is my all time favorite sports what? video game. It was a golf RPG, um, that I played a lot when I was a wee lad, a very, very wee lad. Uh, plum. What do you know about Matt Alexander and his sports game preferences? I don't know. Maybe there was a Mega Man like softball version that I'm unaware of. Is is Matt a Spartan? Uh, why not? He is because he's my friend. Okay. Um, and he listens to the pod. Does does he? Uh, he did does not he enjoy... State. That doesn't make him not a Spartan. I know. Um, does uh, does Matt enjoy uh, any professional sports? Um. No. No, no, not that. Okay, I then I'm going to go ahead and say that um, he feels like killing people is a sport and Goldeneye is his favorite video game. No, I don't think that's right. I think he, he legitimately knows what a sports video game is. It's probably like Duck Hunt. Duck Hunt. 
Let's say oh, so. So people versus ducks makes it different. Okay. It says a lot that none of us chose a game uh, published in the last 20 years. Good guy. I was going to say, whatever the most recent NCAA uh, football game is, that would be my choice. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I am going to be like 2012 or something like that. I think it was 2014. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to just make a plug here for him and say, uh, because Matt Alexander has a podcast that he does with his buddies. It's called Legend of Retro, and it's all about video games. So I do Aww. think that he has a legit favorite sports video game because he knows video games better than anyone else that I know. And uh, so, you know, there's that. So Legend of Retro, if you're into video games, dear listeners, go check them out. There you go. Plum, I, I don't want to lose listeners to, to okay, shut podcast, up. so could you just not? Yeah, yeah. be chill. <laughs> be chill, Jonesy, or Plum. Uh, next up, from the other Mike Jones. Mike Jones, uh, Coney Dot, or... Mike Jones asked the other Mike Jones, Cody dog or chili dog? Make it, make the right decision. Make the I think right there was some right threat now. here about like, if you don't know the difference, then you, you know, you're a fool. Um, is it a chili cheddar dog? Cause if it is, then I'm going chili cheddar dog. No, actually I, I really love Coney dog. I'm going Coney dog. Wait, Coney. Hey, and why do you keep adding Flint to it? It's not, we talk about this. You know, the answer. You're not going to, you're not going to me. me. I just, you're not going to sass me into it. You know the answer. And if you Coney dog with some mustard and some onions, that's what uh, I need. Uh, uh, no, if and Mike Jones is from Flint and knows when he says Coney dog, what he's talking about. Oh, so, well then I take it back. Chili dog, uh, plum, oh. perfect barbecue food for summer. I will say it, it should be a Coney dog, but they're actually very difficult to get that Coney sauce. Right. So for me, for me, it is uh it's, it's, it's a hot Italian sausage or it's a bratwurst. Perfectly grilled, little potato salad, some Ruffles potato chips, a little watermelon, mm. some corn on the cob. Uh, Mike Jones, sound familiar at all? Huh? It, it, sound, it sounds very familiar. That hot Italian sausage was fantastic. Fantastic. All right. Uh, Next up. I still hear you guys. <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, right, here, then, then we'll give you Upper Deck Jerk Guys. Upper Deck Jerk. Greg, this is for you. Upper Deck Jerk Guy. What happens when the Spartans start the season 5-0? and Ass has been called on the pod, right? Hey, uh, I don't even know. That's the sixth game of the of the season. Um, I don't care. I'm convinced on this one. Yeah. Uh, welcome to a top 15 uh, moving towards top 10 uh, MSU Spartans team. Upper deck jerk guy. Uh, Spartans are back, baby. Uh, Spartans are back. Next up from the upper deck jerk guy, Plum. Uh, how do you it's feel? Rutgers. <laughs> Rutgers is our fifth game. We're going six and zero. We're going six and zero, baby. Plum, how do you feel about the point guard depth with Rocket and Foster leaving? I'm not worried about it because yeah. there was there that, that that question implies that Rocket and Foster brought us depth, and that's the greatest fallacy of all time. So, eh, uh, so I feel fine. I, I actually don't feel different. I, I feel no difference. I'm a little concerned about freshmen getting some playtime at the at the one, um, but it's a necessity under these circumstances, and I think they're going to play better than Rocket at the one, honestly. So, here, here. Um, next up from the upper deck jerk guy, oh. Jonesy, do this question to the best of your ability. Uh, which of the three Stooges are each of you? Uh, well, Grek is Groucho. Yeah. Um, and shemp uh, uh plum is harpo and i'm the other one right those are the yeah. right brothers uh right brothers Whoop. get it uh, all right Whoop. uh last up is john hubbard 
<sighs> Why did bad things happen to good people, but Harper still exists? Couldn't Plum do his fancy public uh, with his fancy public health degree, or Jones with his Jersey mob lawyer connections do anything to remove this blight from East Lansing? Uh, Plum, I'm going to turn this one to you, buddy. Um, this is one of the existential questions of our time. And I think that John Hubbard is right to ask it. Um, it is so brave. It is. He is. He is brave. There's a lot riding on the answer to this question. There is no good person alive. No one of any moral turpitude or human worthiness who could defend Harper's as an institution. Um, it is both unpalatable. It is as unpalatable as it is unseemly. Um, the one and only redeeming factor it ever had was that it hosted mega eighties on, uh, either a quarterly or, or maybe it was every other bi-monthly basis. I don't, don't know. More frequent than, yeah. Um, but, um, but I, I commit well, I don't live in Lansing, but if I did, if I lived anywhere in Ingham County, I would commit to you to file the most uh, nuisance-ridden uh, and uh, and uh, everything that I could do to get the public health department there to investigate whatever it needed to be, even including breeding my own rats and introducing them into the HVAC system um, ahead of those uh, <laughs> visits. Um, so I, I, it's he's right. He's right. And I will stand in your way and defend Harper's to my last breath, sir. And if you go to Harper's, it might be your last breath. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, the rats in the HVAC. (laughs) Uh, Next up from John. Plum has gone to New Jersey to record with Jonesy. Jonesy has come to Michigan to record with Greg. Why hasn't Greg and Plum done a show together despite living 90 minutes from each other? This is a safe space. You two can talk it out. That's a good question. I I would attribute it mostly to the fact that you have to put care and planning into making a decision like this to record with one another in person. Yeah. And uh, we don't put that much care or thought into the podcast until we sit down <laughs> to record it. Record so, it. so that's exactly uh, it. It would be difficult, yeah. I think. So they're talking for themselves. Right? If, the, if there was apparition... And I could just be like, Plum, grab Yali and the flu powder and port key yourself on over here. Correct. Uh, that would happen. That would happen. But um, we don't talk about it that much. <laughs> it's not as if we don't get together. I mean, we went and had dinner together in Detroit. You know, we got to see the Tigers. So we've, 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 uh, we've hung out. But it is something that we should do at some point. For sure. Do. For sure. I like how Dude makes an in-depth Harry Potter reference, but uh, took this long to watch Big Mouth. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Very good. Yes. No, that's fair. I I would be sad, though. Last up from John Hubbard is for you, Jonesy. When are you coming to Michigan again? He seems to have forgotten. John, I don't know that I can tell you, but I do know that it's going to be explosive when I get there. Oh, my God. Gentlemen, that's the latest can't read, can't write. Uh, It's been a blast, as always. And, of course, go green. Go white, boys. Gentlemen. Go white.